0: Breath work is just this beautiful and um, an amazing tool that we can use day-to-day to manage our emotions, to manage our feelings, to shift how we're feeling, and we can also use it as this really, really powerful therapeutic tool that can unwind some of our past and let go of some of those bricks and boulders that we might be carrying around that's stopping us from living to our fullest potential.
1: Welcome to Happiful and Counseling Directories podcast, I am, I have. We seek to find out and share more about who we really are, the experiences that shape but don't define us, and the many realistic ways we can manage our mental health and well-being, from everyday practices to engaging with professional support. Today, we're taking a deep dive into breathwork with the wonderful Stuart Sanderman, founder of Breathpod and author of Breathe In, Breathe Out. Stuart shares how he discovered the practice, how it can help with pain management, our mood and reconnecting with ourselves. He shares so much great stuff in this chat and we're hugely grateful to him for coming on. Before we start today's podcast, we'd love you to check out more from Happiful and you can download the free Happiful app, visit happiful.com or follow the links in the show notes after you've listened to Stuart to find out more. Today's episode of I Am, I Have, How It Helps is a really special one where we'll explore breathwork with Stuart Sanderman, the author of best-selling Breathe In, Breathe Out, Restore Your Health, Reset Your Mind and Find Happiness Through Breathwork. Stuart is also the host of BBC Radio 1's Decompression Sessions and the founder of BreathPod. Welcome Stuart, it's wonderful to have you with us.
0: It's such a pleasure to be here, thanks for inviting me on.
1: we're absolutely delighted that you're here and just your voice in itself is lovely and calming. I've introduced you a tiny bit, but I wonder if you could introduce yourself in your own words and also let our listeners know what you think they should know about you.
0: Yes, so I'm Stuart. I'm founder of Breath Pods. I've got my show on on Radio 1, as you said. Yeah, I help people uh, from all demographics, all backgrounds, to empower them to make positive change in their life, using their breath as a, as a tool. So this tool that we already have. So that's going to me in a nutshell. And I've been fortunate to work with a whole host of different people from businesses to Olympic athletes, UFC fighters, all walks of life in different fields, working with people going through cancer, working with people with insomnia, working with a whole host of different challenges or life challenges and, and giving them some tools to help support them in um, the best they can.
1: Perhaps you could tell us a bit about why it's become so important to you working with the breath.
0: Like many practitioners in any field, usually the entry point is they find something that helps them so profoundly and so transformatively that they want to share it with the world. And that was certainly the case with me. I never thought or set out to become a breath or breathing expert or teacher or it really wasn't on my roadmap at all. Um, I was working in music and before that I worked in finance, what happened in my life to kind of allow me to rediscover breath was actually through grief. My girlfriend passed away having had um, terminal cancer. And during that time, she had terminal cancer. I certainly looked at a lot of different treatments, uh, therapies, alternative treatments, conventional treatments, weird and wonderful things. And what the scientists were saying and tried to find a cure as best as we could, and, and sadly um, she did pass away, and that kind of sent me in a in, into a quite a negative spiral, as you could imagine and grief for me was a lot of anger and withdrawal and um kind of bouncing between the two of those a lot of pain and anger towards myself, like should we have gone left instead of right so this kind of a lot of guilt and regret and and a really challenging time and all that happened was that I moved back to Scotland where i'm um, from originally. Um, and I took my mum for Mother's Day to a breathing class. And I certainly didn't think much of it. My mum was into yoga. And that's as far as I thought, yoga, breathing, mum will love that. And it was a last minute gift from me. And um, we went together the following weekend. And it was in that first session that I started sort of, Discovered the potential that breathing had. I had quite a profound experience, and I talk a lot about this in my book at the beginning. And, and um, I felt that like my girlfriend was there with me, holding my hand. And I had this very cathartic release of emotion that I'd felt like I'd been holding on to it for years and years and years. So that was what was my first kind of rediscovery of breathing as a tool for something that I'd, I mean, we've all dabbled in feeling a bit stressed, somebody telling you to take a breath and calm down or feeling out of breath when we're engaging in exercise or these different times when we maybe notice our breath or realize we forgot to breathe while we're typing an email. Um, So these different moments I'd definitely been aware of, but I didn't realize that our breath could be used in such a powerful way to transform our life. And me initially was through grief and it didn't just stop there. It, It, helped me find solace and and come back to myself and feel really feel for the first time in a long long time like the feeling the raw emotion of life that flows through us that I, i guess i'd built so much armor around myself throughout my life to stop myself from feeling and i thought that was a good thing so breathwork allowed me to access feeling and from there it kind of was a springboard to better sleep more energy kinder voice in my head better relationships and ultimately being able to find love again, which I didn't think it was possible to do after losing somebody. So that was, that was, it was very much a personal journey for me uh, through grief. And then the onion layers kind of peeled back. And I start to realize that breathing is very physical. It links to our emotions and how we think and feel. And it's also links us to this bigger ecosystem of life um, between humans and other animals and other humans and plants. And we're all kind of breathing the same air. So it started to just create this lovely um, overview of every aspect of living. And that, I I just wanted to share that with the world. I thought there's so many people, if it could help me, who was quite a skeptic or cynic to some of this work. I wasn't initially to backtrack, I was so open But during that cancer journey, everyone seemed to have a cure and nobody seemed to have a cure. So it almost, um, the, the minefield of different alternative therapies and the minefield of just try this and you'll be better or try this plant or try this pill or try. And when she passed away, I was like, none of that works. None of this works. And so I'd close myself off from anything like that. And if somebody told me just to breathe, I would have, they would have got a serious mouthful from me. So, um. Yeah it was when i went through that journey and it was just so powerful and so amazing and and so much depth to it that transcended not just what i was going through then but started to unpeel parts of myself that conditioned from my past my childhood ways that i'd been behaving and interacting in the world that i could start to kind of break down and and work through so the more the more i worked with breathing the more i i wanted to learn and the more I then I wanted to share it with, with as many people as I possibly could.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that with us and your very personal journey into breath work. And I love the fact that you've also shared this in your book and how it really impacted you and, and where you went from there. But your book, it, it covers so much ground in terms of what you've learned from sleep to pain to trauma I think it would be great to jump into that in terms of transformational aspect of breath work, for example, when it comes to pain. So this is something that we hear quite a lot about is is pain and and also with long COVID for some people Mm -hmm. who are experiencing joint pain, who have tried many different things. I wondered if you could share some of your thoughts about using the breath for very specific issues in your life.
0: There is so many specific issues. I was sharing with somebody yesterday. and In some ways, I feel like there's a breath prescription for for most ailments. And pain is an interesting one because we often um, put a line down the middle between physical pain and emotional pain. And the physical body and the emotional body is part of the same coin. If, if we have emotional pain, then it usually shows up somewhere physically and vice versa we have physical pain it starts to impact us emotionally so with those there's some more complex ones that maybe persist whether we have, there's, there's a sort of difference between the acute pain of banging your head on a doorway or stubbing your toe which is kind of goes from zero to 100 very very quickly and it evokes a stress response now that's ultimately where breathing sits which is really nice is breathing is obviously this automatic thing that's happening and it's something that we can control. And the automatic part of it is actually generally to keep us safe, to regulate our energy levels. So if a threat came into your room, your senses would pick that up. You see something, you maybe hear something or smell something, even taste something. And our body goes into um, alert mode, high alert mode. Our breathing increases to increase our energy to get more air oxygen to our muscles so we can leg it to safety or fight off that threat so that's what breathing is really about it's about regulating our um, safety around us automatically now we can obviously control our breath and that for me is just the like the magic key because we can use our breath as a gateway to start to control these parts of our um, day that are running by autopilot generally to keep us safe that's how we've been built for thousands of years our ancestors were the same kind of bodies as us, but our lives are very different so um when it comes to something like pain, if we've got that sharp acute pain, we've got a stress response now we can start to relax into that and start to yes, it's going to be painful, and that's a good thing. it's telling us to remove our hand from the hot stove or don't keep banging your head on that doorway so pain is the messenger, and we are in the in that message we can then tell our system we're okay, we're safe, we're calm and use our breath to really calm the nervous system down to flick from the kind of on high alert mode to the off relaxation mode. And it's quite binary in that sense. Breathing is kind of on or off um, and, and we can evoke it either side. When we're looking at more sort of complex pain or um, emotional pain that's persisted or if it's trapped emotions or if it's a chronic pain through you mentioned long COVID, um, arthritis, um, migraines. Some people have more chronically or if it's after an injury. Um, again, it's about managing the pain response. It's there for for a good reason, but allowing ourselves to calm into that space, like really using our um, breath to activate, what we call the parasympathetic state, the rest, digest, recover mode, so that our bodies can of heightened alert system diminishes and we can kind of sit through that a little easier the best example would be any female that have gone through childbirth realizing the benefits of breathing deep taking that as the kind of the peak example and start working with it and finding something that works for you in terms of managing your pain as best as possible
1: That's a wonderful example. And even if we've not been through childbirth, we can certainly we will know of somebody or we will have seen that on television, that kind of use of the breath to regulate that pain and help ourselves through. So that was a very specific example in terms of pain and just working back a bit. We talked about your book and how it covers such a lot. And how at one point you felt quite cynical about or skeptical, you said, about, about breath work. So, in terms of anyone who doesn't know about breath work, can we start with the very basics from them and what impact it could have just on someone today who's sat in front of their computer and they're feeling a bit gnarly, you know, perhaps they're feeling a bit tight and uptight? How can breath work help them?
0: So, breath work is quite a, a large umbrella um, a bit like saying yoga, yoga, there's lots of different types of yoga within that umbrella. Um, and then even above breath work is probably meditation because breathwork is a type of meditation. It's using our breath as a tool to regulate, to regulate how we feel in a moment. And I, I cover this in the book in the form of you know, the fix at the beginning, the, the deeper work as a second section, and then the optimized part. But all of this comes with awareness, understanding that if I'm feeling a certain way, so if you're sat at your desk and you're feeling a bit stressed, you've got a busy day, maybe you've got all these things you've got to do and you're not quite sure where to begin, you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, feeling a little bit anxious. You might be very aware of what that is, or you might just be feeling uptight and anxious and not really knowing why. And that can often be the case. So we can use our breath in that moment, but we know if if we know what we'd like a a change, we'd like a change from feeling stressed to calm. And we can calm, the simple thing would be just to calm your breath and your mind will follow. It's a two-way street. The thoughts are happening in our mind. Our feelings are happening in our body and we're getting feedback between both the body and the mind. And the breath, although the breath is obviously part of the body, but because we can control that action and it links to our nervous system, it becomes this really nice bridge. Bridge is the messenger. So if our thoughts in our mind are creating a stress response in our body, then usually the stress response in the body will send a signal back to the mind and say, yes, we're under stress. And we create a loop and we call that our state of being. So we say, I'm stressed. Now, if we have a stressful thought in our mind and then Our breath starts to breathe stressfully and we catch that. We say, I'm feeling stressed. I'm thinking stressfully. Let's calm my breath. So we calm the breath in that moment. Although the thought in the mind is still maybe stressful, the breath sends a signal back to the brain and says, we're not stressed down here. So the feedback from a body to the mind then all of a sudden says, oh, there's no stress here. So we break that loop. We break that state of being loop the mind might jump back in and provide another stressful thought. And we might have a little bit of a tug of war between controlling the body's stress response and controlling the mind's stress response. But the more we practice it, the better we get it. So that's a kind of overview of breath and breathing in terms of stress. Now, if we're at home and we decide you know what, I'm feeling exhausted today. I'm feeling lethargic and I have got lots to do and I just can't be bothered. And I don't know if I've got the energy to do it today. Well, we can actually create a stress response. And I know that sounds bizarre. Stress is never invited to the party, but we can create oostress, which is positive stress that actually motivates us and gets us ready. A bit like having a double espresso or having um, um, going to the gym and creating a bit of energy in our body. We can use our breath to evoke that as well. So we can use our breath quite binary to go off if we're too if we if we're too much on, or on if we're too much off. And we can also do some fun stuff in the middle of that, which is actually balancing on and off, which is where we can start accessing. This is more the optimized stuff, but where we can access a state of flow. So that kind of energized focus where things to feel start to feel easy. I often share when I work with corporates, I say, you know, those days you come into the office and you just bat everything off left, right, and center, and nothing can stop you. And I often don't get many nods, (laughs) but it's those, that kind of feeling when you do have those days where you think, ah, wow, I'm just nailing it today. And research has shown that that is, that's a hackable state. And it's to do with the heart rhythms from our heart rhythm to our brain being in a coherent pattern. Now, because when we breathe in, our heart rate goes up and we breathe out, our heart rate goes down. We can use our breath to actually manage our heart rate and create this flow state, create this coherent state. So we have this whole kind of um, toolkit of breath exercises that we can learn to manage and regulate ourselves throughout the day. Life gets stressful some days. Some days we aren't motivated. Some days we do need to switch on and be on our A game and be in a flow state or come up with a great idea for work or come up with a solution and we're not always there, but we can start to use our breath in those days to kind of provide what we need in that moment. So I often put that style of breath work into the reactive bucket. Say, it's reactive. I'm feeling a certain way, and I want to feel something different. And then we can learn our different techniques. You might even just need to learn three techniques, one for off, one for on, one for flow. Um, It can be as simple as that. Now, if we're realizing that yep, every day I'm feeling a bit stressed, I'm calming myself down, great. But the next day I'm feeling stressed again, need to calm myself down. And we're finding ourselves that there's maybe an underlying reason or cause that has created this imbalance in the body, uh, the stress response to be evoked um, more suddenly or more frequently than we would like. And our technique's there to calm us down, but there's probably an underlying reason for that happening. And that usually comes back to um, how we are, kind of, how the system is operating, how we are triggered in different situations, our conditioning from our past, our belief systems, our patterns, how we're interacting with the world. And that for me is is the really powerful part of what I do because once we can manage that, all the rest, we, w- we won't even need to do the breath techniques throughout the day as much because we're actually managing the root cause of it. I liken it to, the first technique is the reactive techniques. kind of like putting a plaster on. Feeling stressed, uh, put the, put the calm plaster on. Okay, I'm going to feel fine. If that keeps on happening, we're putting plasters on every day. Well, can we just clear out the wound? What is causing me to feel stressed in the first place? We might be very aware of it consciously, or it might be an unconscious thing. It might even be so deep in our subconscious from our childhood that we're unaware of how it's, how it's um, interacting in our day. The way I often explain this um, between the two and how this works is if we say the the stress response, the tiger comes in the room, we see the tiger, we hear the roar, we might even smell its scent, the brain sends a signal to our breath to increase its rate so we can leg it to safety or try and fight off the tiger. There is a third response as well, the freeze response, where we actually... The freeze response, believe it or not, is actually parasympathetic. A lot of people think of it as a sympathetic stress response. It is a stress response, but the body goes into parasympathetic because in that moment it thinks, right, I can't run. I'm not going to fight off the tiger. The only other option is to play dead. And if I play dead, hopefully the tiger will walk past me and not see me. And if it does get me in its mouth, I won't feel a thing. I'll be completely numb. So there are, there are responses. So we have this fight or fight or freeze response that's hap- happening. Now, if we switch our tiger for a moment to a dog, dog comes in the room, we see the dog, and one of two things will happen. One person might see the dog and they get the excited breath. The brain goes, oh, I love dogs. Breath starts moving and flow with that. We start to feel emotion and we run towards the dog and scratch it behind the ears and, and have play with the dog. Another person might get the response that the tigers come in the room. They run to the room, they, they freeze or they um, um, try and fend off the dog or get it shoe shoo it away. So we, we see that two individuals can have a very different experience with a dog coming in. A very basic example, but hopefully you're kind of getting where I'm going with this. Now, why people would have a different experience with a dog is because of their past. At three years old, big dog barks at them or nips their hand. Their brain fires and wires a neural pathway and they create a belief dogs are not safe. So they avoid the dogs. That's felt experience. Now, we also have learnt experience. Whereas maybe your mum says, don't ever go near a dog because it bit her when she was younger. Don't ever go near a dog or bite your hand off. So we start to avoid the dogs either through felt experience or through learnt experience. So I'm creating a very basic example here. But through this example, we can see from our past, through our experiences, we start to view the world through a certain lens. And we start to view certain things as stressful or not stressful. And we can start those experiences. I liken to putting a a brick in the bag. And if we start putting lots of boulders and bricks in our bag, usually from our formative years, zero to seven years old, Um, or through peak experiences throughout our life, and peak experiences being um, the challenging ones as well. For me, it was grief, um, losing somebody I loved at a relatively young age when you don't expect that to happen, and that boulder goes in the bag. Now, using my example of grief again, the reason that I found it so hard or or it was it was materializing in this kind of complete withdrawal or complete outburst of anger was because of my notion of strength. I didn't actually allow myself to cry. I didn't know how to cry. I didn't cry during that whole time. Um, My world felt like it was crumbling, but I was still trying to hold on to this notion of strength. So that was the dog bark for me growing up. Big boys don't cry. You deal with it. Notion of strength. I did martial arts all my life. Teddy bear was called tough Ted you can start to see how the world that we grew up in or the, the the persona that we develop to make sense of our world and then filter our world through that lens, which is also what a mind does. It kind of uses these core beliefs to start filtering um, everything through that so we can move through life with this kind of bag of bricks that we've got from our past and where breath work can sit as well as kind of putting the bag down, putting the plaster on where we can actually just empty the bag of bricks. We can empty out some of that stuff because that stuff is all held in the way we breathe, which is so fascinating to me because our breath moves with emotion. So when you laugh, your breath kind of jiggles. When you cry, it moves. We even have these expansion of our breath usually through the expat when we feel joyful, when we feel happy, when we feel in flow, our breath is open and flowing and, and expansive. Or we contract our breath, usually the more negative emotions, the stress, the anger, and usually because we're holding on. So we use our breath as a controlling mechanism to stop ourselves from feeling emotion, either unconsciously, because our brain says, this is going to hurt, we don't want it to hurt. Or consciously, we, due to our beliefs and patterns, we say that's not the right thing to do. I shouldn't cry in front of my peers, or I shouldn't laugh at that person um, when they're speaking to me because we conform to the world that we live in. And the way that we control that is by holding our breath. So we have these kind of breath holding patterns that we all have, and it kind of nudges us into certain archetypes of breathing, which again, I explain in the book. The certain patterns and certain holding patterns will kind of keep us trapped into a way of living, and a way of feeling, and a way of interacting. And where I find such an exciting space to explore with the work that I do is well, if we release those patterns, those breathing patterns, and let go some of the physical tension that is held on because of an emotional experience, or because of a compound of um um experiences over and over again, or hearing a certain thing, or being told that your sister's better than you or whatever it is growing up that you might have hurt. We all have uh, that bag of bricks of different sizes. Then we can actually start to unpick some of that stuff like a therapist would, but the therapy becomes our breathing because breathing can then, instead of using words, which can sometimes be limiting when we're trying to explain things, or we just consciously can't remember, or we've, or we've completely to protect ourselves, put it in that cellar of our mind under the stairs and lock the door and said, I'm, don't wanna go there, again, as a protection thing, well, we can actually access all of that stuff because it's held in our breathing cycle. So breath work is just this beautiful and um, an amazing tool that we can use day to day to manage our emotions, to manage our feelings, to shift how we're feeling. If we're aware that we're feeling something that we don't want to feel at that moment, or we need something that we don't currently have, like a bit more energy. And we can also use it as this really, really powerful therapeutic tool that can unwind some of our past and let go of some of the bricks and boulders that we might be carrying around that's stopping us from living um to our fullest potential.
1: It's endlessly fascinating, and I love the way you make it so easily understandable accessible and also your kind of visual motifs of that that bag with the boulders and the bricks i think we can all understand that and think about the the things that we put in as we've gone through our life and throughout the book you have diagrams you break down the exercises which i find really helpful to be able to read that and also see what that kind of breathing you talked about different types of breathing and mm. i realized i'm definitely a chest breather you know so that we can start to think about how we're breathing and become aware of what we're doing so it really is fantastic and you you also have a saying which is if in doubt breathe it out which I think is really useful and should be taught in schools if it's not already can you say a bit more about that about just in terms of our moods or things that happen throughout the day what we can do to just stop ourselves at that moment and breathe it out
0: there was quite a few things you shared there that I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> um, just sort of unpacking the chest breather archetype that you've you've identified with. So that chest breather archetype, at some point, at some time in your life, and then this could just be habit, could be a stressful day, it becomes a week, comes a month, and we form this chest breathing pattern that is just the mechanics is shorter, shallower. We breathe more than we ultimately should so this will then affect the chemistry of our body and we can get trapped in that pattern it can also be we close down our diaphragm for whatever reason that when we shock when we have an experience we hold it in it can also be just simple things like clothing clothing choice um high waisted jeans tight belts uh, uh, we're kind of held to ransom to fashion sometimes Um, but it affects our breathing and so the nice thing about that is a bit of awareness and understanding, right, okay, well, I know that I tend to chest breathe. Let's make a conscious effort to start using my diaphragm, opening up, and then sort of unpicking, right, physically, let's fix it. But then, well, what has maybe caused me to get stuck in a, a chest breathing archetype? So that's... that's um I, I, I tried to make it as fun as possible because I think it's, it's not a case of, Oh my God, I'm a chest archetype, bro. I'm doomed. It's actually, no, wow. This is amazing because we can change. Yeah. We have this tool that we can use to change and then everything else has start to fall into place and we'll have more energy and we'll do more things. And and yeah, so it's, it's really nice when people share um, maybe what they've identified about the breathing. I just get excited about it. I'm like, yes, we can, we can fix that and and make a lot of amazing changes. So that said, what can people do throughout the day? You mentioned if in doubt, breathe it out. Now, if in doubt, breathe it out is probably the most important words in that whole book. (laughs) It's simple, very, very simple words. But it ultimately, when we breathe out, we hit the off button. No matter how we do it, the out breath, heart rate slows, blood pressure drops, and we move into a parasympathetic state. So breathing becomes, like I said, this binary thing. In-breath sits you on, out-breath sits you off. So if in doubt, breathe it out just means if we double our out-breath, if we elongate our out-breath, it tells the mind that everything's cool, everything's safe, I'm under control, everything's fine. So if in doubt, breathe it out is a really, really, really helpful thing to remember because life does get stressful sometimes. That might be before an event, before a social gathering, before a dinner, before a meeting at work, before an interview, before an exam, all these times that happen throughout our life and it's natural that we start to feel very, very nervous. I get it all the time and I do this for a living, talking to people, Um, even before some of our radio shows, I'm like, oh, get so nervous. If in doubt, breathe it out. It basically hits the off button. And so what I tell people to do is breathe in through the nose for four, feel the belly rise, pause and hold for four at the top, just keeping calm and still. And then breathe out through our mouth for a count of eight. And on that mouth out, out breath, allowing our shoulders to drop. Probably even just one cycle, feel the kind of weight of stress and strain just start to go. Ooh. So that's one cycle. We can just keep on going. So in for four through the nose, hold for four, then out for um, eight through the mouth. And just every time you breathe out, just letting your body relax a little bit more. So shoulders drop even further, jaw relax, face relax. And it allows us just to really, really calm the system. So it's super helpful to use. Even on those days we wake up and we feel anxious and we don't know why. Couple of rounds of that, will just reset the system.
1: As I did the first one, I didn't realize my shoulders were so high. Until I, until I let them down. And I know that I'm being particularly careful about how heavy I'm breathing because we're doing an interview. I've got a very sensitive microphone here. So I'm being a bit careful that I'm not breathing (laughs) heavy breathing at you into the microphone, but I didn't realize how, how high up my shoulders were until I just did that once. So if you're listening to this and you can try doing that because it's just that first one completely made me more aware of my body. And we're always in the space.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's exactly that. And, and that word, I always come back to awareness. All of this comes with awareness, and that's the real key thing. And, and in essence, what Breathe and Breathe Out really is about is, is awareness, but also getting better at feeling. It's not shying away from feeling. It's getting better at feeling and understanding yourself and understanding your feelings in certain ways because your breath maps those. And if we were holding on to certain things or tightening up in certain situations or, or having those freezes in certain moments, then we can actually just start to notice that and shine the torch on it a little bit more you go. Oh, actually, I remember the last podcast I was trying to do. My my shoulders are up at the ears. So this time, I'm going to breathe out before I start and start more relaxed. So we start using it as kind of information just to start improving the way we feel, so we can live life um, to the max as best as possible.
1: That's wonderful, and leads on to my final question. We're the sister site of the counselling directory at Happful, and we've seen a massive increase in people searching for support around the notion of feeling numb or disconnected from their feelings. Do you have any suggestions of that in terms of breath
0: work? This association and feeling of numbness tends to come with um, what I shared, that kind of freeze response. Mm. I talked about the tiger um, coming in the room. Now, fortunately, we don't have many tigers roaming around, but we do have experiences that cause us to, to shut down. Now that might be what I shared—the grief experience shut down. But it might be over time the social experiences feeling shut down, or even having not being so used to social situations because we've had the two years that we've had, um, which has been less social than ever, uh, or everything's been online and we've kind of been in a safety space. Um, so then, when we open up, we feel we feel like this kind of shut downness, and we feel disconnected. The nice thing about breath work is is we can start to open up to feeling again. What has caused me to feel numb and shut down? And um, when we start looking at it, at the if we go back to this kind of the shutdown response, the the withdrawal numb response is fight or flight or freeze. So if we we're drawing on a graph, we start off, we have an, we have something that arouses our um stress response. And then we go fight or flight. Oh, but in that, this happens very, very quickly. The mind goes, actually, no, there's nothing else. that we, we can't get out of this situation. We're going to freeze. So we, we're into the, this upper quadrant of freeze. Now, what research is um, Steve Porges' work, the polyvagal theory it's called. And from here, to get back down to our relaxation response, well, we actually need to go back through the sympathetic, which is why exercise is really great because if we're feeling numb and feeling withdrawn, then if we actually exercise and move the body and go for a walk in nature or do something, what happens, our breath moves and we start to evoke this change in the body and we start shifting, moving down. That's where breath work and some of the more um, dynamic practices, some of the deeper work that that I shared about can be extremely powerful because we allow ourselves to move back through down that curve feel what we need to feel so that we can let go of some of the bricks and and, and then open ourselves open up so we're no longer contracting our breathing and moving through our life with this contraction of withdrawal, which is what happens when we're numb. Usually our posture changes. People can even see it in our face um, because it's a stress response uh, or part of the stress response family. Now, if we allow ourselves to open up through those restrictions and have this expansive um, experience through breath, then we can shift all that stuff, and we can start to feel a bit more, or feel that we feel anything that we need to feel any any of those trapped emotions, so that we can move forward. So it's a really nice place and thing to do, and that might come. I shared at the beginning of that, like through exercise or through walking, something that forces your breath to change, which usually what happens with with exercise, and you get the endorphins and things as well. But we get that through breathwork practices. So there's there's lots of different types of, of breathwork. Um, there's that first ones where we can, if and doubt, breathe it out. Uh, they keep, keep it nice and calm and relaxed. But the stuff that I'm talking about here is a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more open and flowing. And and the nice thing is when I first went to that breathwork session four or seven years ago, it wasn't really a thing. Breathwork wasn't a thing. And and we've been trying my hardest to share it as best as I can with the world. Um, and there's been a lot of other amazing people that have kind of evoked um, interest in breathing people like Wim Hof who's captured the world with jumping in ice and doing these amazing feats through through breathing and using his breathing protocol so fortunately now there's a lot more places you can go and check out a breathing class um, so finding a teacher or finding speaking to somebody finding a, a somebody who might work one to one and finding a place where you feel safe and make sure that they are fully qualified and make sure if it is trauma-related that they have more than just breathwork. Uh, I think like many things we can, some use of a weekend course and call yourself a breathwork teacher. And that might be very different from somebody that's working through some feeling of discon- disconnectedness or a feeling of numbness or feeling where they need a little bit more support. So, So just doing a little bit of homework around who's that instructor, who's that teacher, do I feel safe with this person, um, because that's ultimately what we're wanting to do is come back to a feeling of safety in the body. So we're no longer feeling disconnected and we're no longer feeling numb.
1: Thank you. And and that final part is very important as well in terms of someone that you feel safe with, someone that's qualified and someone that you can trust, especially if yeah. you're approaching trauma in that Thank you, Stuart. This has been fantastic. I could honestly talk to you for hours. Can you share where people can find you online? And again, if you could just give them the title of your book, which is out now.
0: My company's called Breath Pod. So www.breathpod.com. Also on social media, I'm most active on Instagram was at BreathPod. Uh, I have presence on TikTok and, and LinkedIn and things like that as well, but main, mostly active on Instagram. The book is called Breathe In, Breathe Out. Uh, it's available everywhere, bookstores and online, usual Waterstones, Amazon, et cetera. And it just came to me when you were talking there as well about feeling. And within the book, the midsection, we've got all these different techniques, but the midsection of the book, the part two, which is about deeper work, which is ultimately about getting better at feeling and c- casting off some of our past um, that is maybe impacting us now. And within that, I, I'd say practice a certain technique for 40 days, 10 minutes a day for 40 days. And I think that would be, a, a just to go back to your previous question, would be a really um, nice way to practice at home in a safe environment by yourself to work through for 40 days and start noticing how you feel. It might bring up emotion, it might bring um, up some feeling, but that's ultimately what it's designed to do. So that once we finish that 40 days, we've allowed ourselves to kind of open up our system. And then we have all the other techniques that we can use day to day so we can manage how we're feeling in the moment.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have. Don't forget to head across to Happiful.com for more great mental health and well being conversations. If you're looking for mental health support, you'll find information on our site, including links to counselling directory. However, if you need immediate help, you can call the Samaritans on 116 123 for free or email joe at samaritans.org. They're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you do not have to be in crisis to receive their support. Help is always available. I'm Lucy Donoghue, producer and host of I Am, I Have. I hope you'll listen again soon.